0: Welcome to the Out of Bounds Podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Subscribe and download wherever podcasts are found or visit 1037thebuzz.com.
1: Joe, between the circles, guarded by Bowden, Isaiah, jab, step, step back, three, and he buried it. Hogs are on a run again. It's 54-43 with 12-10 to go. It's a 9-0 Razorback run. Jones out high. Pons is out to face up on him. 15 on the shot clock. Jones going to try it. NBA three from the top of the key, and it's good. He lulled Eve Pons to sleep, buried the three. He's got 28. The Hawks are back up by 15. Yeah. Pons trying to defend. 15 to shoot. Jones step back. Three on the way. He got another one. <laughs> My goodness, 31 (laughs) for Mason Jones. It's 70 to 54. Here comes Jalen Harris into the front court. There's about a second and a half differential between the shot clock and the game clock. 12 to shoot, 13 and a half to play. Moss is still coaching. Harris gets a screen from Obuguelo, guarded by Plapchik. Jalen left side to try to get Obuguelo a shot. Three from the wing and the horn, no good. That's the ball game. Oh, they wanted to get a back in a three-point attempt. He got it up, but it wouldn't go. This one's at the books, and Arkansas wins at 86 to 69. Ladies and gentlemen, live
0: from the Ariana's Pizza Studio. Welcome to the all-new and improved Out of Bounds with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin on 103.7 The Buzz. Yeah, yeah.
2: Welcome in Out of Bounds here on 103.7 The Buzz. Appreciate everybody listening in on this beautiful day here in the great state of Arkansas. John Neighbors, Joe Franklin in studio with you today. And thank you, as always, for making us a part of your afternoon this afternoon. Joe, as you heard in the highlight, Arkansas gets a big victory last night. But honestly, I don't know what was a bigger victory. The fact that the Razorbacks beat the Volunteers in Bud Walton Arena or the fact that we got you to go out with us and watch the game last
3: night over at Brewski's. Oh, it was a great time at Brewski's. And as we're waiting on the Razorback game to come on, it was actually on, but the game before went into overtime. So we're score watching, and we're like, well, if it stays like this, maybe we don't need to see the game because the (laughs) Razorbacks got off to such a great start to begin that game.
2: Yeah, and that's a rarity with this basketball team, something that even in the games that they've won in conference play, to see them get off to a hot start the way they did, there was just something that you knew was going to be different about last night's game, and I know that there's a lot of things we're going to break down from it, Joe, but honestly, the some of the stuff that, of course, the first thing that I took from it was that it really was arguably the best win Arkansas has had so far this year, especially in conference play, and here's why. They, first off, they don't have a lot of great SEC wins as it is, but in this game, They did something that they have yet been able to do and get off to a hot start. They did that. They continued that hot start. Went in at halftime with a sizable lead of 13 points, 40-27. to Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. College basketball especially is a game of runs. Tennessee went on a run in the second half. Got within two points to Arkansas when Arkansas was only up 45-43. to Tennessee went on an 11-0 run. Ended up getting within two points. Arkansas responded in kind defeated the Volunteers, stepped on the throat, finished them off, and that's exactly what you want to see from a basketball team that you're hoping is an NCAA tournament caliber team. How about Ethan Henderson? Playing Man. 30
3: minutes, nine rebounds, and he was a guy that was just holding everything together. All the effort plays, that seemed like he was there. Blocks, making the balls turn the ball over. Whatever the case was, Ethan Henderson played a really good game last night don't need him to score you just need him to do all those other things now scoring for him is a bonus but I like his game and what he brought to the table last night. Yeah, in fact,
2: I know that we're going to talk about Mason Jones going for a mere 37 points another day at the office for Mason Jones. And I know we're going to also discuss Isaiah Joe going for 22 points, even though 12 of his points were from the free throw line. Still counts as points nonetheless. Great games by him. Desi Sills has been awesome the past few games. He's not shooting a lot of shots, but he's shooting good shots and converting on him. So there's a few players that we want to talk about. But Ethan Henderson, for sure, didn't blow up the box score. Wasn't it a guy that you were going to circle as being the player of the game? You know, wasn't going to do the interview in the post game afterwards or anything like that. But the effect that he had on this game was huge, especially in the fact that Adriel Bailey was in early foul trouble. So they had to take him out. Reggie Chaney's just gone missing over the past few games. I guess there's...
3: He's dealing with an injury, I, I think. I
2: know he's dealing with an injury, and this is something I discussed with Wes last night during the Gwotny post game show. But we were discussing that it's probably... I think it's a mix of that. And I also think it's a mix of whatever Muss is needing from him, they're not getting. Because we know how depth is important. So what is going on with him, I'm not sure. So you have to have somebody else step up. And guess what? Ethan Henderson was that guy last night. And he played decently enough against Missouri the other night. And it's starting to make me wonder, Joe, is this something that should have been done earlier with Ethan Henderson getting more minutes? Or... Is it something that's just clicked within Ethan Henderson to where he is finally starting to settle in and find a role that he can play on this team that he can be helpful and beneficial to him?
3: I think he needed some time early. I think I'm going to go with the first thing there because we've seen whenever he's gotten opportunities, he's made the most of his opportunities, led the team in rebounding last night. And not only is it him leading the team in rebounding and putting that max effort out there, but it brings the team closer in that rebounding margin because Tennessee had 31 rebounds, Arkansas 28. And we've seen Arkansas get out-rebounded. If they only get out-rebounded by three in a game, it's a good sign. We've seen them get out-rebounded 15 to 20 in games and still come away with wins or come close to getting wins. They're close games. But to be within three of rebounds, that's that's quite an accomplishment.
2: Yeah, that's something that Arkansas has needed all season long, and it just is one of those things that's going to make you think back. Man, imagine if Ethan Henderson could have been like this against LSU the first time that these two teams played, where they just got out-rebounded by 30 and lost that game. Imagine what he could have been on the road against Mississippi State the first time they played, where they got e out-rebounded and just got their lunch ate there by Reggie Perry. Imagine what that could have been. So there's always going to be these woulda, coulda, should as I get it. Can't play that game, though. No. Can't look back on it. Move forward. That's right. you got to look forward in the next three games for Arkansas. We know how crucial they are. But after these past two performances, against Missouri and Tennessee especially, you got double-digit victories against both teams. Granted, both games were at home. I understand that. But now I believe that this team is playing with a total new confidence with the addition of Isaiah Joe or the re addition of Isaiah Joe in the lineup, having that threat of him. And also somebody like Ethan Henderson, if he can continue this on, having the threat of him as well. Those two players being added into the mix completely and totally opens up whole new elements of this team. And if you're a Razorback fan that's look, really looking to try to get into the NCAA tournament, you got to win these next three. And Joe, they're honestly, they're pretty winnable. I'm not saying Arkansas will go 3-0, but going on the road against Georgia, they're not a great team. At all? It's they, still on the road, though. And that's the toughest thing. But here's the thing, too, about Arkansas and Georgia. If I'm not mistaken, I'll have to double-check because I think Hogstats put this out on Twitter, which is a great Twitter follow, by the way. But Arkansas is actually 6-9 and nine at Georgia over the past 15 trips, which is a pretty good record considering road games and conference. That's mm-hmm. really good. So they have some success there in Georgia. I think that really, since Georgia's been struggling, it's not like it's going to be a, a crazy atmosphere because... Fans aren't really showing up in droves. They're not a tournament team. They're sitting at 4-11 and 11 in conference play. So I, I like the matchup. I like the chances. I know Anthony Edwards is a great player, but I don't think that he's anything that Arkansas can't handle. Th- that being said, you're still going to have to have LSU come home to Bud Walton Arena in your final game, senior night, if you will,
3: that's going to be your biggest and toughest game. And AM's playing really well, too. I think that's going to be the toughest game, AM, really? okay. because it's on the road at the end to end things. And you know that AM's been playing a lot better. They have. Now, of course, LSU is a top team. So you would think that that would be the toughest. But I just think to end the season going against AM and you already beat them to begin the conference season, they're, they're playing better. And I think they will revert back and remember what happened at the beginning of conference play. And they'll want to get a little revenge. Well, I'll tell
2: you what. Let's look at it this way, Joe. Can we both agree that 100% Arkansas has to win this game against Georgia this weekend? Like Absolutely. That, that has to be it.
3: That's where it starts.
2: I believe if they do that, they can afford to go 1-1 one and one in those final two games of LSU and A&M. That's, saying that's enough. But I'm saying they can afford to do that if it means they can make up that ground in the SEC tournament. I think that'll be enough to put them into the
3: NCAA tournament. Right. It it all starts with this one because it's almost like last night's game. We were talking before that. We said, if they don't win tonight, we can pretty much stop talking about the NCAA tournament. So now we've gotten that one behind us. Now it's on to Georgia, and it's the same thing. you got to get that one to continue to talk about NCAA tournament. Not, Not to say that they couldn't lose against Georgia and then win the next two, but it just looks better. It feels better if you get that win against Georgia. feels better going forward.
2: Yeah, and I think Arkansas is playing with a lot of confidence right now. Yeah, I think that Isaiah Joe, just the addition, has just made them feel better, where it's not constantly looking like, all right, Mason, you got to, you're going to have to go for 40 points here if we're going to get out of here with a victory. Are Although you, he's still doing it. He's still doing it, but it's not because he has to. Right,
3: it's not the pressure of having right. to do it.
2: Yeah, it's not because he is ha- the only option that they have and then everything else is just going to go by the wayside. It's not that at all. It's because he's made available to do it. He wasn't going in and just taking arid shots. He was taking good shots. He was taking guys on -on one-on-one. He was driving the basketball, which is what I love about Mason Jones because, listen, he goes 12 of 15 from the free throw line last night. 12 of 15, 12 of his points. But if you look at his field goals, 11 of 19. That's a very good percentage. And then from three-point land, he goes three of seven. It's just when you, when this team is clicking, they are extremely fun to watch, and they're also an extremely difficult team to beat when they're clicking. I know that you can say that about every team, but they have a lot of different pieces and elements that are really difficult to guard.
3: It's a luxury for Mason Jones to have other options out there while he's doing his thing and going through his routine, and he's he's able. We know that he's capable. The potential is there to go for 30 or 40 every night. And we came up with a really good NBA comparison for him last yeah. night. We talk about his uh, potential to go to the NBA, to leave after this year. Uh, don't necessarily want to look ahead to that. But his NBA comparison is a really good one, Paul Pierce.
2: Yeah, yeah. we were discussing that last night. And somebody who is a big fan of the truth, I know a lot of people don't like him because of his uh, injuries, non-injuries, whining, all that. I don't, I don't care. But as far as his game, it's very similar, Joe, because Paul Pierce wasn't extremely athletic. Mason Jones isn't extremely athletic. Paul Pierce wasn't a guy that was necessarily just going to have one part of his game that was it, like where he could only shoot threes or he could only drive the lane or anything like that. He's good at all of it. He doesn't. He's not perfect at any of it, but he's good at all of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what the comparison is to Mason Jones. I think it's a great one, where he's just a pure. He could score in so many different ways. And I think uh, the announcers last night during the television broadcast they were saying that. Mason Jones and Vince Ways to score, and I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it because there were plays last night, you know, some of them were just the easy threes. You saw the James Harden kind of the step-back three where he nailed it there, but, you know, one of the plays that really got him going in the second half, Joe, I think you remember it, is when Tennessee was on that 11-0 run and he goes inside and he kind of just goes in between two guys, gets fouled, and this kind of lifts it up into the air and it goes in. Nothing conventional about it at all. But he invents ways to score, and I think that was a really good way of putting it, and that's what makes Mason Jones so intriguing is he doesn't have those elements of a conventional basketball player that, oh, if you just put a hand in his face, you're going to be good. He has unique ways of scoring. Sometimes he'll make you want to pull your hair out with one of the, some of the shots he takes,
3: but a lot of times you just sit back and you're like, man, how does this kid do it? Well, that's a big-time credit to him because you can see that he's put the work in not only throughout the season, but... During the offseason, he's a guy that reinvented his body. He did certain things to make his game better overall. And those are signs of great players. That's what great players do. So I'm sure he watched some of these guys growing up that would do certain things like that. And he's made a point to do that to make his game better, always thinking of different ways and trying different ways to make his game better. And it's made him a better player overall. So let me ask you this question now, Joe.
2: Just fill in the blank question, putting you on the spot. Mason Jones is the best Razorback basketball
3: player since who? I still go back to Joe Johnson.
2: Okay, so you're going pretty I'm going, far back. Yeah, now. I'm going okay. back. Okay, so you're saying that he is the best. And maybe, this, maybe it's too general of a question because, you know, Bobby Portis was incredible. Right. But he's a completely different player. A
3: different player.
2: So maybe that's a little too general way to look at it. But I guess as far as maybe we should look at it as a scorer. You know, as a pure scorer, who, he's the best since Joe, since Johnson. Joe Johnson. Yeah, that yes, would make sense. With that. Yeah, because Joe Johnson, because uh, Joe was what, about 6'8". He was, he was pretty tall, mm-hmm. played almost like a guard at times. Oh, that's what he always played. Yeah, I mean, he always played guard. Yeah, and that's what was so great about him is because it was so difficult to guard because of how tall he was and how good he was at doing it. But, see, that's nothing that Mason Jones doesn't have because Mason Jones is about 6'4", 6'5". So he doesn't have that element. But I think that's probably the best comparison I can come up with as far as being a scorer. Because we've seen some great basketball players come through Arkansas. You know, we've seen Ronnie Brewer, of course. This guy that was honored last night at the game. Sonny Weems, a guy that doesn't get talked about enough. He was a fantastic player.
3: No, oh, he was a scorer as well. Yeah. And had the jumping ability to go with it. But that was the thing, is that he was
2: just a freak athlete. That's what he was known for. Yeah. And that's not, not taking anything away from him, but he just had that element to his game where he was so good. So you had him. You know, we've seen guys even – uh, other than big men, if you're gonna just the guard play, Daryl Macon was phenomenal. Jalen Barford was really good. Even Dusty Hannahs, our boy, who's now in the NBA right now, getting in some garbage time last night, hit a couple of threes. Gonna give him a shout out there, but he was really good too. Arkansas has been; they've had some good players come in here, but Mason Jones is doing things that we haven't seen in quite some time when it comes to the scoring.
3: Yeah, he's uh, he's really good, and we we've seen the potential, and we know that he has it. So. To go for 33 games in a row, and he was the first Razorback to ever do that, that was an amazing thing in itself because you would think with all the great players they've had over the years, somebody's done that, Not, not just somebody, but multiple players and probably multiple times. But he's the first player to ever do that, so that says a lot about his game. Yeah, I mean, he is so much fun to watch,
2: and let's hope that it continues on here in the final three-game stretch because they're going to need him to put up some big numbers, that is for sure. So we're going to talk a lot about the Razorback basketball game tonight, last night and get your reactions as well. Another thing that we're going to bring up, too, and I know that, uh, Joe, you've really been itching to talk about that, especially with some of the stuff going on in the NFL. You have, of course, the, the latest thing about Tom Brady is that uh, reports say that he is open to free agency.
3: Well, he said that from the start, so I don't know why this is like breaking news all of a sudden. I
2: I guess maybe it's because they're starting to hear, like, maybe it's starting to actually get the wheels turning a little bit where maybe not necessarily that he's open to it, but more so that he's not going back to New England. It's
3: happening, right.
2: Yeah, but here's the thing, Joe, and maybe you can disagree with me. I think it's a load of crap. You think so? I, Tom Brady, he likes to mess with people. He likes to bring things out. I just have this feeling that he is going to end up back in New England, and this whole thing is just going to be a charade. That's
3: oh, what I, I, think. I could definitely see that, but the fact that these things are coming out, they are people that are close to him. So do you think that he would he would do something where he's leaking this out so that certain people put it out and yeah. – Ah. I could see it, man. Ooh, he, I don't know if he's going that far.
2: But he but he has that type of humor though. He like, does. you know, you think about that Super Bowl commercial that he was in, you know, everyone thought it was like, "Oh man, this is going to be him talking about the return and all that" and ends up being what was it for for Hulu Television or whatever it was?
3: I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. But that's a general statement. That's not saying that he's not li- not leaving the Patriots. He's just saying, "I'm not going anywhere," meaning He's playing again next year. Yeah. There was even speculation that he may not play because he's at the end of his contract. So maybe he decides to step away. We've seen others do it. We saw Eli do it. But in the same sense, we know that Tom Brady has always said he wants to play until he's at least 45. Mm-hmm. Now, when it gets to that time, he's 42. He'll be 43 in the summer. When it gets to that time and he's 45, what if he says, I want to play another two years? I feel that good. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what the future holds, and he's even said that. Who knows what the future holds?
2: Well, one thing I love about Tom Brady, and I think that he and Peyton Manning both echoed this sentiment. He's like, I'll stop playing when I suck. And until that point, he's the only one that's going to know. I mean, I'm not saying that last year for Tom Brady was one of his all-time great years, but he certainly is not a detriment to his team. No. So until that stops, until that happens, I guess we're just going to have to keep seeing Tom Brady. But, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Uh, and get into the mix of that. Obviously, uh, the thing that I know you want to bring up too is the Marquise Pouncey. They yeah, have, having some uh, strong words, if you will, about the proposed NFL deal about extending it to seventeen regular season games. He's not a big fan of it, apparently. Yeah, but he's there, not the only
3: one. There've been several big name players that are outspoken about it: Russell Wilson, Richard Sherman, J.J. Watt, and they have several tweets about it as well that they put out. But Marquise Pouncey, he went over the top where. He, uh, he had some really harsh words, and we're going to play that here in a bit. So, for those out there who haven't heard it, you'll hear Marquise Pouncy.
2: Yeah. I mean, I can't wait to get into that because there's a whole element and a whole layered thing that we're going to have to break down into that as well.
3: Now, the NFLPA president, DeMar Smith, D. Smith, he expects it to get approved. So, he's representing the players, and he says that this thing is getting approved, in his opinion. Because, because that goes to talking to certain players and talking to a number of players. That's what they say. Now, when they had all the players' reps vote, there was a 17-14 vote in favor of, and then there was one vote that is that abstained. So, in and uh, the guys just representing the teams, it shows that they're in favor of it one way or another, whether it's tweaking something. But now when it goes to the full membership, all they need is one more vote mm-hmm. than the rest to say, yes, we approve it. Yeah. And what that means, too,
2: Joe, is that if this does happen and it does get approved, people like Marquise Pouncey, uh, I know that Russell Wilson came out against it. I think Aaron Rodgers was another one that was upset by it. There's a few big-time players. If it happens, they can't blame the NFL. They cannot point their finger at the NFL and saying, look how horrible you are. Because you have to agree to it as a players' union there at the NFLPA. They have to agree to it as well. So it's not like they're just instilling a rule with their iron fist and saying this is the way it's got to be. The people that represent you have to agree to it too. So if you get if you hate it, your anger better be directed at the NFLPA, not the NFL, because they're the ones that agree to it.
3: Oh, yeah, it's a compromise. Mm-hmm. It's a compromise that they agree to. So you can't – it's not one-sided. You have to if, – if he has frustration – it's not only with the NFL, it's with the players, but the players do represent them. So you're right. He has to be mad at his his peers. That's right. That's just the way it's going to be. So we're going to have a
2: lot of fun on today's show, folks. we got so many things we're going to get to. We want to get your reactions to Razorback basketball last night. If you want to do that, call on the West End Cigars Hotline at 501-433-1037. You can also get after us on the Keithley Service Company live fan feedback as well. We'll get to those reactions We'll also have Pat Bradley coming up from the SEC Network around 2 o'clock. And we also got Mark the Magician coming in. We got Reckless Predictions. We got it all going on today. So be sure to stay with us all the way up to 4 o'clock right here on Out of Bounds, 103.7 The Buzz. More of us coming up.
0: You're listening to the Out of Bounds Podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Follow the show on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors and at 103.7 The Buzz. Pat Bradley on Out of Bounds is brought to you by Wood Grill Buffet in Benton. Offering a menu of steak, chicken, and seafood, plus hot and cold buffets. Wood Grill Buffet in Benton, comfort food at its finest.
2: Pat Bradley, what's going on, my man?
4: What's going on? What's going on? What is the word?
3: PB. Hey, great show last night, man. Post game and uh, a couple of things that we wanted to ask you about that. We're going to start with uh, something a little off topic, but there was debate about what color your shoes were last night. So you tell us, uh, what color were those shoes? Because they were nice looking.
4: They were like tannish, brownish type joints. I got them on Amazon for like 30 bucks.
3: Oh, nice. So uh, that, that was what I thought. I thought brown, that, that was what I said, but there was some debate. It, maybe it was the TV that we saw, but... Uh, There was a little red tent to them as well, yes.
4: Well, if you can find a pair of reds, I will take them. I just don't know if you can. Can I get a pair of reds somewhere?
3: Uh, You should be able to. I figured so.
4: so. Amazon, right? They get everything on Amazon. Oh, they got everything Mm -hmm. there. They got everything on Amazon. Matter of fact, I'm going to look right now. You boys don't mind, do you? No, not at all. Do what you need to do. Do a little multitasking. Though. There you go. Multitasking.
3: So but, the other uh, thing, PB, yeah. is uh, you guys went through some teams and you talked about whether they're in, out, and when you got yeah. to Arkansas, of course, you and Jimmy Dykes both said in. So take us through, because um, didn't really get a chance to hear that part of it. But what are your thoughts on why Arkansas is in the NCAA tournament?
4: Well, I put everybody in because. Um, I work for the SEC Network, so I'm trying to. (laughs) Right, and why not? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you guys won't remember that I said that, will you? In two weeks,
3: yeah, probably not. Will
4: you you guys write it down? No, you're not gonna. No,
3: we're not gonna write it down. No, 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 not at all.
4: But um, well, the the way and you know you go by Joe Lenardi, and he's he uh, every time he puts out his bracket, things do change, but he's pretty pretty accurate in understanding the the metrics and he knows how the committee thinks and so he has you know if you look at what uh, the hogs have left where he has them now um yes they do need help but if they're able to run the table i can't imagine the other uh bubble teams are going to be able to run the table, and we get a chance. I, I Outside of being able to do that, win the two road games, which is at Missouri, at A&M, and then beat LSU, which any road win is a good win because, at the very least, it'll be a quadrant two win, right? And then LSU probably isn't going to be in the top 30 when we host them. But still, it's a good win. I mean, you got to win at the end of the day. So it'd be different. If the schedule was Auburn, Kentucky, and LSU, but it's the bottom two teams in the league in LSU. So, just look at the schedule. Um, I mean, I pro- probably a ten year old could have come up with the same thing I came up <laughs> with. But, I mean, that's the only thing I can go on. You look at the wins at Indiana; they won. Um, you know, and I do think that they'll take into consideration Isaiah Joe being out. It was a five, and that's the thing. They lost five games in a row. Now, I anticipated that they would have a part of their schedule and part of the season that they were going to flop. It was just because the five guys were playing so many minutes, and at some point they were going to break. Now, the good, well, if you say the good part, I think it may actually be the good part, is that they may not have – been able to be um, Auburn at Tennessee, Mississippi State, they at Florida with Isaiah Joe, but now Isaiah Joe sits out a couple weeks. His legs are fresh. His and I think for the team, when he came back on Saturday, I think it it gave them a breath of fresh air because what was their record without Isaiah Joe? Was zero five. That's right, zero and five. Oh, so now think about this. If you're a team and you just lost five in a row, that means you hadn't tasted victory in two and a half weeks. I mean, here's it. Your, your, your girlfriend doesn't want to talk to you anymore. Your parents are writing you out of the will. And, you know, Musselman is, is absolutely destroying you. So once I – but you need a lifeline. And Isaiah Joe is the lifeline. And he happens to be – you know, one of the the best shooters in the country. So as a team, that that gave him a boost, like mentally. And the fact that I you never want injury, but the fact that Isaiah Joe was actually able to rest for two weeks in the middle of the season, <laughs> like it, that's that's pretty unique. And he came back and clearly looked like he wasn't out of shape or anything. So I think it's a good sign. To be honest with you, I think. Like I said, if, if they had lost those games with Isaiah Joe, I think the the mentality of the team would be broken. Uh, but you got a little bit of medicine in the name of IJ, <laughs> I Joe. <laughs> and uh, it definitely healed some wounds for those guys. And the other thing is, too, you get some guys that, that had to play some minutes uh, that got Isaiah's minutes, which was good whoever that may be. I mean, I don't know if we ever really found anybody, although Ethan Henderson played good. So they were, they were, it was rough going through the two and a half weeks without him, but I think
2: we're a better team now than we would have been. Well, one of the things, too, that we talked about, Pat, because uh, Isaiah Joe obviously has been a huge boost, but you know, Mason Jones just puts in another great performance of 37 points. It's like another day at the office for him. Me and Joe were talking about, as far as just scorers go, where would you say Mason Jones would rank among just the all-time scorers in Arkansas history, at least in recent history? Because you don't really see a player like him come very often through the University of Arkansas, but he has certainly named made the name for himself.
4: I'm, I'm so, you just cut out, Johnny. I'm sorry, my brother. What was the last part of that? No,
2: I was just saying that uh, as far as where does he rank among all-time scorers that you know, at least here in recent Mason? history? Yeah, uh, uh, yes, Mason.
4: Um. I guess you, you, what the thing is, he's pretty unique because he, he understands how to get to the free throw line too, you know, and he's, he's crafty. Um, I mean, he is, you know, when you go back and look at Daryl Macon, Dusty Hannes, I mean, those guys, th- those guys, I think he's at six five, a little bigger. Um, he's pro, he's, He's probably as strong as Dusty, I'd imagine. Although, Dusty, what's he, 6'4", six, 6'3"? Six, I think he's a good 6'3". About 6'3", yeah. So, uh, you know, when you add it all up, I think he, he kind of reminds you of, of those guys. In, the, in recent memory, I mean, Jalen Barford, Dusty Hannes, and, and Daryl Macon. I mean, come on, man. Those are three very good offensive players, and that's just a few years ago. So now you want to keep going down the line um, to guys from an offensive standpoint, skill-wise. You know, you probably have to go even a little further. I mean, I'm thinking of Courtney Fortson, guy, guys that, that could put up those kinds of numbers. But, I mean, we just had three guys just a couple years ago that could have put up 30 on anybody. Uh and those you know those those guys i just mentioned so i mean it's, a, it's tough man there's a long list of guys that could put the ball in the hole you know at the end of the day
3: Phoebe, you know, what about um uh, an nba comparison we came up with one that i know you'll like but <laughs> what do you think um as as far as who mason jones would compare to who do you who do you think first of all before yeah. we reveal I who know. we I came really, up with
4: i don't really think of it in terms like that honestly because i just look at like what he could do in the NBA, only because I know comparisons are, can be fun. Um, but he's a guy. Again, I mean, at six five, he started the season not on anyone's radar. Certainly, you know, coming out of high school, and he's developed into just a crafty. Get to the free throw line, can create space for himself. He's not going to jump over you by any means, but he he's just got. He's got great instincts, and he uses his physicality really well. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, he, if you want to say like Paul Pierce, but Pierce was two two inches taller than him.
3: Well, you know, there I we go. That that was the comparison it. we made because yeah. not the most. Athletic. I was hesitant.
4: Right, I was hesitant on that freak only because of the of of uh, Paul Pierce's. I mean, he's six seven. That that two inches. It does mean something, you know what I mean? Right,
3: but, but not not the most athletic, the body type, and then he's a scorer. Yeah. He can he can create his own shot and do certain right. things where he doesn't necessarily look the part, but he can do those things. So that's what puts me and in, in, in John in the mind of Paul and, Pierce. That's where we came and up and with Paul know, Pierce.
4: Paul Pierce slipped to number 10 in the draft because he had uh, weight issues, and, huh. that's, and, and then that's how the Celtics were able to basically steal him and – the rest is history. He buckled down, did what he had to do, and, you know, now he's a Hall of Famer.
3: I think Mason Jones would be happy to slip the yeah. top. if that's how it happens. Oh. He'd be joyed with that.
4: Oh, there's no doubt. But, you yeah, I mean, Paul Pierce was a, was a, you know, he was, he was a, I guess, a projected top five guy coming out of Kansas. Right. I think at the time, you know, and then there were just some issues, I guess, on that level, but. It it, I, I I know he's probably going to test the waters, which is good, um, and find out and work out for teams. And that's the good thing about what they can
2: do now. So that's advantage he's got him in, Isaiah Joe. So, Pat, let me uh, just kind of look forward now for Arkansas. You mentioned the games that they have left, obviously LSU being uh, probably their best chance at a quality win. A&M still has really resurged, and they've been looking good in conference play. But – Arkansas now has these opportunities. Is there a certain thing that they have to do to, for you to feel confident in their tournament chances? Because they're still in the mix. I mean, do they have to go three and O here in the final stretch? Can they go two and one, win a couple in the conference tournament? Kind of. What do you think the forecast needs to be for Arkansas?
4: Oh yeah, they got to win out, my brother. They got to win out, my brother. Um, there's no doubt about that. That's uh And I don't know how many they got to get in a SEC tournament, but they certainly they. I'd imagine they would have to, because you're outside of the bubble now, and you got to do something over the top to get back on the good side
2: of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I do, because that's that's where I'm at too. And I don't think I can't remember a time where Arkansas just uh, just in recent memory has had to rely on tournament games, SEC tournament games, I should say, in order to bolster and give them a chance to be in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if it's ever been that close at any point in time. Uh, but yet they may find themselves in a situation like that if it ends up being that way. Because, Pat, as you know better than anybody, this conference has been pretty unpredictable many times. I mean, the team that Arkansas is playing this weekend, for instance, Georgia, you know, they're one of the bottom-tier teams. But even they have found a way to beat Auburn just a few weeks ago. I mean, it's a very unpredictable conference at this point.
4: Yeah, well, what have you guys – what do you guys look, looked at it and, and have – how many would they have to win, you think, in the in – the, what, what do you – I guess – what would they play Thursday if everything ended up? They would play Thursday.
3: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully Obviously, they get to the yeah. point of not having to play on Wednesday. So if they went out, then you, they would project the play on Thursday.
4: Okay, okay. So you know, I guess if you guys filled out the the bracket, because also what matters is who they're gonna play. Right. Right. I mean, that you want to make sure that because it would be considered a neutral court game. Um what would would you guys think? I'm doing I I don't want to I don't want to uh um you know, say there's only one way to go about doing it. So do you guys think that they got to roll it and then win two in the in the in the tournament?
3: Well, thinking uh maybe two and one down the stretch, not necessarily 3 and 0. Oh. But if you go two and one down the stretch, you got to win at least one in the SEC tournament.
4: What would be the better loss? What's the what's the what's the? Anyone pull up the net <laughs> rankings at Missouri
3: or AM? Um, Georgia and A M probably.
4: Oh, oh, at Georgia. Why do I keep saying Missouri?
3: Pro- probably you just played Missouri. A and would think. I think, is higher.
4: Hi- Although Georgia,
3: because Georgia just, just hasn't looked. Win- they they just yeah. haven't looked good just from the eye test. They haven't looked good this season. So we'll we'll see what they're actually where the rankings are. But yeah.
2: Yeah, because I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the net rankings right now. Arkansas moved up five spots to number 40 in the net rankings. Uh and right now the teams that are just right in front of them are Alabama's at 39 actually. LSU's at thirty-three, but right after them, Mississippi State's at fifty-four, South Carolina sixty-four, Tennessee at seventy. 84 is Missouri, then 89 is Georgia. A&M's all the way down at 116. Okay, so well. their net rankings for it's sure. It's going to be Georgia It's going to be they're Georgia.
4: conference Yeah, it's just A&M, if you look at their schedule, they're non-conference. They were struggling. Um, but, you know, A&M, you know, still has a, a couple of games because that's the last game to, to bolster their resume to make that look even even better. And I just looked at LSU as not in the top 30, so we beat them at home. That would not be a quad one win, unfortunately, unless they go do some... No, because I... Well, from what I understand, I don't know, it's at the end of the season. Is that correct? Do you guys... Yeah, not
3: not at the time that they beat them, but at the end of the season, where do they stand?
4: So I guess everything we just talked about doesn't matter until the end of the season, (laughs) because we don't even know. Yeah. But... Hey, look at what we did. We took up almost 20 minutes. Yeah. So it worked.
2: <laughs> well, and see, that's the thing, Pat, is like, because I keep looking at it from the perception, and, I, and sometimes I catch myself in it because I'm still looking at it for maybe like 10 or 15 years ago, how the tournament was looked at, where, you know, there was always that magic number that seemed like every team needed to get to, where, hey, if you get to 21 wins and you have above 500 record in conference, you're in the tournament but that's not the way that they look at it anymore they've changed it up so much that yeah there's not just like one way that somebody like me or or joe or anybody could just say all right well here's what arkansas has to do here 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 and they'll get in it's not as easy as that. It's a little more complicated
4: yeah the the days of that used to be the number 20 and i guess uh i mean i'm sure if we have a you know minute or two we could probably figure out why and and Patting the, the record with the cream puffs at the beginning of the year. Probably coaches caught on to, hey, if 20 is the magic number, let's, before we get to conference, let's make sure we've got 12 already, you know, or 14 already. This way, you know, you go 500 in conference, you're automatically in. So that's, I'm, I'm guessing that's maybe what happened. Um, but, it, and that's, it. at the end of the day, though, I still think the committee is made up of humans. Who, whether or not they want to admit it, are biased. So if you have, let's say, you know, a representative from every conference, it, some people are a little more willing to give one team or coach, I believe, the the nod based on, you know, maybe how they know the. Or view the team, or have seen the team before up close. So I think there's a lot more factors than just the numbers that go into it. Whether not anybody admits it, it's just hard to do. If you guys are on the committee, you're gonna feel a certain way about a certain team. That um, if all things are equal on paper, what's gonna push one team over the edge? You know, it's got to be. Well, I've seen this team. I like what they're doing. They Uh, You know, they went through this, so they went through that. So there's got to be some level of, um, you know, human decision-making that goes – that has nothing to do with the math. Before we take a break, let's go to the phone lines.
2: Hog Wild is on the line. What's going on, Hog Wild?
5: Good afternoon, Joe, John, PB.
2: What up? What's up, man? How about them hogs? <laughs> it was nice you know, to see I, a victory like that, Hogwild. I, I, I got to start it with this,
5: John. Remember your show last week? You had on teams you can't stand in the SEC.
2: <laughs> yeah.
5: We played mine last night. Is that right? Every sport, I can't just can't stand Tennessee. It must be because of the T that Tennessee starts with and the orange, because it correlates with Texas.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I there's some similarities that. there, no doubt about it.
5: But anyway, I'll. Uh, oh, uh, Isaiah Joe coming out for the last game was kind of like Elvin Hayes coming out for the Knicks. You know, uh, we needed him desperately. and I, You know, Reed. there was one point in the season. Go ahead.
4: Uh, that's Willis Reed that came out for the Knicks.
5: Willis Reed, excuse me. Well, Elvin Hayes was a teammate, wasn't
4: he? Elvin Hayes was I'm a cl- beast. That dude could block but, some shots and yoke on him.
5: Thanks for correcting me. You demand, You the man, baby. <laughs> but, uh, but you know the, that uh, two game stretch where we lost back to back overtime games when Isaiah Joe was out. Yes, I wasn't sure if we were going to recover from that, and looks like we have. And you know something, I'm looking at also. I agree with y'all scenario: go two and one, win one in the uh, SEC championship. But y'all, y'all forget someone else could stumble. That's right. That's on the bubble.
2: That's right. Yeah, because that's what the thing is: you got to rely on the other teams too to make mistakes. We're up against the Hog Wild, man. Appreciate the phone call. We'll have more of your phone calls and more. Pat Bradley, coming up next, Out of Bounds, 103.7 The Buzz.
0: Thanks for listening to the Out of Bounds podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Subscribe wherever podcasts are found and be sure to visit 103.7thebuzz.com for all things buzz.